2: Good afternoon and welcome to the next edition of Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub from the Attention Era Media Studios in downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I am Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. A Thursday edition of Two Up Front, episode number 71. My goodness, where has the time gone, Simon? Moving right along, as they say in the Muppets. It seems like just yesterday we were at episode 70. Oh wait, that's how it works. Either way, it was two days ago. It was two days
0: ago. Either way.
2: It felt like yesterday, though. We've had a lot of people listen to that show too, which is kind of crazy. Yeah,
0: almost up to 200 just yep. on our end and we're we're, we're getting numbers in from uh, of course our network, Sports podcast, who, Sports Podcasting Network.
2: Yes, yes indeed. So we've got a great show in store for you today. We'll be joined in our second segment by Houston Dash forward, K Leah. Oh, hi. And we are thrilled to have her on the program to talk about the U.S. Women's National Team call-up that she just got, uh, her NWSL season. And Simon asks her a burning question at the end of the interview that will either enrage or make a lot of you happy. You'll have to find out exactly to see just what he asks. But we do want to remind you, of course, that you can listen to our show on Tuesdays and Thursdays right here on Spreaker.com, 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time. And, of course, you can find the show on demand anytime by going to our website, uh, 2UpFrontSoccer.com. Not Gmail. Yes. No, but, you, they, but, too, but, but
0: <laughs> you were going to say, yeah, if you want to contact us yeah. to upfront soccer at gmail.com. That's a great way to do that. Wanna thank uh thank a couple of people out there for interacting with us, Baxter. Uh Raymond Orzaco, or, or Cozo. I haven't uh actually, I, 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 I Is have it a, I've never asked him. I think it is. I've never asked him how he actually so don't we have Michael Arasco
2: on it looks like the same spelling of the last name from okay, the US National. Okay. I could be wrong. Could be, could be. I don't know. Maybe they're friends or brothers. Or yeah, cousins. but
0: hey, you know, Raymond, it's it's great that uh, I love I love having those fans who don't always agree with what's being yeah, stated. Um, we
2: don't want you to always agree with exactly, us. Exactly. We're doing something exactly. wrong if you always agree with that's us. That's right.
0: That's right. But uh, but yeah, it's good to have the good good to have those social media Agreed. interactions.
2: Absolutely. Well, we have a good show in store for you today. We want to start around in the kick around by talking about Atlanta United. Atlanta United uh, making an announcement saying that they will not be starting their 2017 technically campaign in the new uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, Arena, whatever they're calling it exactly.
0: Won't be built in time, so they're uh, actually going to be playing their first home games at Bobby Dodd Stadium, which is the home of Georgia Tech. Yeah,
2: the Ramblin' Rack from Georgia Tech. uh, A beautiful stadium set in the middle of downtown Atlanta. It's a very picturesque. At the same time, it's a football stadium. Which can be, it depends on who you ask. Some people have a problem with that, some people don't. It's the summer, so that way you won't have to deal with college football lines, though. Yeah, and I think
0: think the way they're going about this is actually really good, Baxter. Basically, what they said is, we're a new team, we've got a lot of players who've never played in Atlanta before, we want them to be able to settle in. So rather than doing what TFC, LA Galaxy, Columbus Crew did when all their stadiums were being built, going on the road for seven, eight games, they said they want to play in Atlanta, just so their players can adjust to the Atlanta lifestyle. Mm. And on top of that, Bobby Dodd Stadium, so what it has is AstroTurf that surrounds it for where the players walk, you know, for all the, sure. what in soccer you would call the technical boxes, the technical areas. Yep. Well, this, they're actually ripping up all that AstroTurf and putting grass in there so that they can expand it to really? fit a soccer field in there. Oh, so I actually okay. think this is a great move. It seats 55,000. Here's, here's one of my favorite quotes, by the way, from Darren Ells, who's uh, one of the higher-ups with the Atlanta United Football Club. He was asked, you know, there's 55,000 seats in the stadium. Are you going to downsize it? And he said, actually, it's almost the reverse. Bobby Dodd was attractive to us because it has the ca- capability of holding 55,000 mm-hmm. fans. They've already sold 22,000 season tickets, Baxter.
2: Yeah, I think that's absolutely incredible. In the place like Atlanta, you have you know people from Nashville that can come down, all those surrounding cities that already have big soccer followings. I think this I think they're going to either fill the bowl or be darn close to it opening game.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if they actually do end up selling out. Yes, at least their first game, but but a few games beyond that. And yeah. and I think it's important too with an expansion team that you get playing in your city as quickly as possible. Yes,
2: yep, I agree. Toronto, I mean, Toronto was able to get over that hump a couple of years into, that's why they were able to go on a seven or eight game road trip the last two years in a row. But, right, right. You know, if they had started that though, saying, oh, we're the new team and we're going to go on the road for eight or nine games, people would have been like, ha, okay, we're not going to come to your games then. Yeah, because you don't exactly. obviously want to play at home.
0: Right. The only question is if this works out so well, if you're Arthur Blank with the, the loads of money that you have, and yes, you got to pay it a little rent, of money. do you sit here and go, you know what, this 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 might actually work out better than Mercedes-Benz Stadium.
2: Um, You're going to run into... Well, I don't know what it's going to be, though, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Are we going to have the football lines? That's what I'm concerned about. Either way, though, if you're at this stadium or if you're here at Bobby Dodd, you're going to have football lines at some point, unless the grounds crew is able to make them go away in between.
0: Yeah, the one thing is, is, you know, on grass, you basically have to paint those lines green. But on AstroTurf, you can... Or
2: get yeah, you like, just pop it, it you, off and put a you, new well, thing on? Well, you could on, pop or? it off,
0: but I think it's it's pretty easy to scrub off the paint. Right,
2: yeah. So I, I don't know how that would work. Either way, they're going to have to deal with lines, potentially, from football. I think Bobby Dodd is a, is a great area, it looks like. It's not covered, so it's a... It's a normal open stadium, so you don't have to worry about Mercedes-Benz where that actually has most of it covered. I think it has like a ring in the middle of the field, which is kind of cool looking. Yeah, but it's retractable as well, so they they can't open it. That is right, that is right. So I I think this is a cool place. I think that this is going to be impressive. And the fact that you already have 22,000 season tickets sold, I think speaks a lot. And this team is only, what, signed? Six players, maybe? Five or six players? I don't even know if they've really announced any marquee players yet. Kenwin Jones, obviously from TNT, is of course a very good player, but I don't think he's going to be that player that they're building their franchise, <laughs> right? Right. So, uh,
0: but of course, they do got a big name coach and Tito do. Martino. So, exactly. And uh, sometimes
2: you don't need the players if you've got a huge coach. That's though, right. Depending that's on right. you know the team. When it comes to expansion, though, anything can happen. Obviously,
0: yeah. And of course, they get a couple of years on their side to make their mistakes. But so far. <laughs> Blank and Company are doing the right things I know. for it, except if, as we've said the name and the uh, you say, except the for colors. the name except for the actual
2: organization <laughs> as a whole. they have done everything else proper. But uh I I don't know if you do this or not Simon, but anytime anybody talks about Arthur Blank and just says his last name, like when you just said Blank and Company, I was like, well, Who? who it's like (laughs) like i'm saying a swear word yeah it's like no blank and company or you know blank and atlanta it's like well who who in atlanta it's like no no no. that's his last name is arthur blank like when i hear people talk about it out of the blue i'll be like who are you talking about but then it's like oh arthur blank okay i got it i got it and it takes me a little bit to catch up but uh one other thing i wanted to to get your opinion about simon is that um there are rumors swirling around that uh, the new uh, Concacaf president—I don't know how to say his last name—Victor Montali- Montagliani. Montagliani? We'll go with that. He's Canadian. That doesn't sound like a Canadian last name, either way. Um, well, is, they're
0: all either French or Italian. Uh,
2: that, is up there, so. that is true. That uh, is true. That's where my grandma's from, and she's you know Italian as well too. Sure. Um He is debating on getting rid of the name and the logo Concacaf, Love trying it. to change it. Love the idea, so that, <laughs> but you can't get Concacaf anymore. You can still get Mike Geiger, but you can't get <laughs> right. Concacaf anymore. How does? Why? Well I don't
0: the, the thing about the Concacaf name is I don't know what else you name it because it is it's not just North America. You've got those three basically Caribbean countries in South America. Uh, I don't know how many people realize we actually have three teams in our region it, yeah. from South America. I actually did a little research on that it's Basically they're they're more connected to the Caribbean culture. Oh, um okay. and and therefore they basically said, can can we be in CONCACAF too? And CONCACAF said, sure! You're, sure. you're one of us more sure than that. you're one of them.
2: Yeah, right? You'll give us more money, and that right. way our better teams can get a free win every time they play you. Well,
0: and plus, uh, apparently travel is actually, che- actually cheaper for them to hop around on all the Caribbean islands yeah, than yep. having to fly, you know, over to Argentina, down to Chile, down or next door to Brazil. Um, so, that, so that's part of it. But I just don't know what else you name the region, because it does cover the Caribbean, it does mm-hmm. cover North America, and like I said, it covers those three teams in South America, so I, I don't know what else you you call the uh, Confederation other than North America Plus?
2: Maybe, yeah, and it was interesting, too, um, Montagliani was saying, and he said in this article from Soccer America, he said, we're going through an extensive process, or an exhaustive process in terms of both brand, just the logo itself, and if you're going to look at the logo, you might as well look at the name as well. Uh, he was speaking to somebody from, from Reuters, he said, is it the name conducive to the brand or do we need to change it so it's a little bit more slick? He said, obviously there are some toxic waste there, no kidding, uh, but it's more looking forward. So, Well,
0: and I I do agree with that. I mean, especially right now, when... When you hear CONCACAF, you can basically substitute it with the word corruption, just another C word.
2: It basically, and thats it's been one of those confederations similar to FIFA as a whole that has kind of fallen into what FIFA has done the last years.
0: No, oh, absolutely. It's, it's no uh, it's no coincidence to me that both CONCACAF and CONNBOL... Both start with C, mm. which stands for corruption, because those have, those two have been extremely corrupt and are the ones that th- at least the U.S. was able to come hard down on because Agreed. of all the business they were doing in the U.S.
2: That is true. Well, one person we know that is not corrupt is Kalia Ojai, and she'll be joining us here in the second segment, so stay tuned. We'll go to a break and come back with her. You're listening to Two Upfront, presented by Three Lines Pub. Welcome back inside the studio, two up front, rolling along, presented by Three Lions Pub. I am Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon Provan, we move along. We're done with our CONCACAF discussion and what islands are not dependent beyond there in CONCACAF. I don't know. Either way, CONCACAF is an annoying place. Annoying? Annoying It's annoying until the U.S. actually are doing well. Then it's okay. Okay, all right. It's it's one of those things, you know. It's like we love it until you don't kind of a thing. Either way, we get to move into uh, an interview this week, though. Uh, it's been a couple of it's been a couple of months, actually, since we've had a Houston Dash player on the program. We had a bunch in the beginning of the season, Rachel Daly, Lydia Williams, Allie Brush, among others. And uh, now we get to have uh, another gal back on the program with us as well. She she wears the number seven jersey. She scored a couple of goals this season. You may have heard of her. She also just got named to the U.S. Women's National Team roster as well. For Jill Ellis, it's Kalia Ohi, and she joins us on the program now. Welcome to Two Up Front, Hi.
3: Thank you. Thanks for having
2: me. Oh, well, we're excited to have you. I think we need to ask you right away, though. Uh, the Jill Ellis just naming her roster for the upcoming Friendly. And uh, I'll be honest, as, I was per- as we were preparing for this interview, one of the things I was planning to ask you about was the fact of there was all these rumors coming around that, oh, you should be called up, you should be called up. And I was going to ask you, do you think you're good enough to be a part of the national team? And now all of a sudden we see you on the national team, so I think my question kind of got answered because here you are. But it's your it's your first time for the senior national team. How are you feeling about that? Yeah.
3: I'm really really excited. Um, it's been a really long road for me, um, and I've had so many people. I've read so many articles and so many things like she's too old now or she's not good enough. And so I, I'm so excited. Um, but my whole career, I've known that I'm good enough, so I just kept believing in myself and
2: and I finally got the call up so now that you would you attribute some of your your youth success though with the u s national team to this call up or did you just or would you attribute to the fact that you had an absolutely stellar two thousand and sixteen season?
3: Yeah, I think um it's, I mean, I, I've grown up playing in the, in the youth programs, um, but then there was kind of a space in between where I was just playing professionally, so I knew that to get called in, I was going to have to do something something big, and, and I played forward, obviously, so I, I needed to score goals, so that was my my focus this year, and at the beginning of the season, we had some trouble, I think, just as a team, um, scoring goals, and our our offense wasn't doing very well. So, yeah, just, I just had to keep going and keep believing. And then finally, at the end of the season, it started working out for me.
0: I've got a question for you. This is Simon out talking to you, Kalia. There's 11 new players on this roster, on the U.S. roster, who uh, have not earned a cap. And, of course, Jill Jill Ellis came out the other day and basically said uh, she would like to revolutionize a bit of what you're doing with the U.S. women's national team. And I think she's moved quicker on this than a lot of people expected. But knowing that you're coming into this camp with 11 other players who haven't been capped, what are your expectations? Yeah,
3: I think that this camp is obviously very different from any camp they've had, with having... 11 new players and some great um, national team players that aren't, aren't going. And so it, it's going to be a bit different. But I think that once you play in the league, and I mean, I know all these girls. I play against them. I played with most of them. Um, it's easier to go in because you, you kind of know. You know everyone. You know how they play. And, and you just have this confidence, um, at least I do, from – from how well i've been playing this season and, and i'm ready and I'm, I'm excited for all the girls that have been called in um, a lot of them are my really good friends so i'm just i'm excited and i'm ready and it's going to be really competitive but that's my favorite thing so i can't wait
2: when you when you look at the the five or six pardon me forwards that are called in for this camp it's you crystal dunn shea groom ashley hatch Kristen press and lynn williams how and i know this seems kind of like a fairly basic question but how important is it for you personally to obviously you want to you want to do what's the best for the team but you need to think about yourself how important is it for you personally to just completely putting it nicely blow these other forwards out of the water so that way jill ellis knows at the end of the day well i've got a fantastic forward that deserves to be up here regularly and is not someone that i'm yeah. just humoring by actually having her in camp for once
3: yeah exactly it it's really difficult i think um as a new player to go in because you have your chance and you have to make a statement. Um, and if you don't, then you're, you're probably not going to get called in again. So it, it really is important for you to go in with the mentality of I have to, to show them what I can do. And this is my, this could be my one chance that I get. And so I, I understand that and I, I'm really excited. Um, and I also think, um, I hope, I, I know Jill's watched me a lot. I'm ready to play any position that she needs me to play. I can play midfield, I can play forward, I can even play outside back. So whatever she needs me for and whatever role I I take, I'm going to be ready and just compete. Um, I think going to UNC and then also playing the co league, but especially at UNC, we learned um, that every single practice you have to go in and, Mm -hmm. and compete until you can't anymore. And so... That's something that I know all the Tar Heels are really proud of, is we play, we play like that. And I think that environment has prepared me really well for what's
0: about to come. Well, speaking of preparing well, obviously Houston Dash had a rough season, but on the personal side for you, last year in 2015 named the team MVP and the players player of the year after telling four goals and five assists. But this year, what a remarkable year for you, 11 goals that you put up what's it mean to your team to uh, put so many balls in the net i mean what is it basically what i'm asking is is what does it mean for next year
3: I think um, my team has been so supportive of me and they're all they're all so excited for me um, but I think next year i mean it's been great for me and I'm, I'm so happy for all the goals that I've scored but it was a little bittersweet just because We didn't have a great season, and we have such great players that we want to make the playoffs, and we want to win the championship. And so I think for me, for next season, especially after having a year as captain and being more of a leader on the team, I want to be able to score these goals and produce but also win games. I mean, that's that's the main goal for everyone. We want to win games. And so um, I think with the players that we have, we're more than capable of doing that. So next year for me, it's going to be producing scoring goals, but also figuring out a way for us to win games and get into the playoffs.
2: One thing I, I found interesting throughout the the entire season is the amount of people that just don't understand what it means to wear the captain's armband. I heard so many different people that are like, why in the world is this girl Ojai wearing the captain band? There's Carly Lloyd, she's the captain of the women's national team. Yeah. And when you actually break it down, and this is nothing against Carly, you're actually there. You're actually playing the games. You're producing at a high level. Yeah. You're showing, you know, Coach Randy Walden, like, hey, I'm, I can be a consistent player. And, you know, we love Carly. We totally respect what she does. But it's, it's always funny to hear those people that are like, who is this girl? She's, you know, she doesn't deserve it. She's not <laughs> Carly Lloyd. She didn't win the player of the, you know, the world, yeah. basically. But yeah. how do you handle some criticism like that when people are kind of calling into question your abilities and your, you know, talents to lead a, a whole team, basically?
3: Yeah, I think... Um Throughout my career, I've had a lot of people – I've had a lot of that, I think. Um, so it really doesn't bother me, and I I can understand someone who, who doesn't understand it really to be like, how is the national team captain not the captain of the dash? And, and I, I get it, but, I mean, it just – it it motivates me to be a better captain to, mm-hmm. produce, to prove them wrong. And, and I also um, – I really respect Carly, and she um, – she – Unfortunately, because of her injuries mm. and, and the Olympics, she wasn't able to be here as much this year, but she's an incredible leader. And the, the thing I love about her is she just leads by example. Um, and she she's just so, just her presence is, she's she's a leader. And, and it makes it easier for me. It's been easier for me as a captain this year when, when she's here, because we look to her for her example. When she steps on the field, everyone's terrified of her. And so, I, I love the way that Carly and it's really inspiring for me to to get to play with her and
0: to get to
2: see yeah, her. Yeah, and it's obvious that it's rubbing off, too, I think, so that's always good when you can learn from somebody by yeah. Carly Lloyd.
0: Well, Kaylee, we've got to switch gears here big time. Speaking <laughs> of things that you love, this is probably the most important question that will have <laughs> ever been asked on 2 up front. What's the rumors with J.J. Watt?
3: <laughs> well, um, we... I mean, the rumors are true. We are dating.
2: Oh, um, okay.
3: But he, <laughs> yeah, he, I've known JJ for a really long time. Um, and we're just, we've always been great friends. And, and yeah, I'm really proud of him with everything he's been going through. But it's, it's, been pretty crazy
2: with all the rumors yeah i well, can imagine
0: and thanks for being a good sport with that question of course jj watt also is a uh wisconsin alum and we're, we're yeah. based in wisconsin so had to ask you that question but uh you know thanks we, again we, yeah.
2: we were not trying to be like you know tmz or anything and be like you heard it here first no, but we no, were genuinely curious we're like, <laughs> you know it's like i wonder we wonder did
3: you say you guys are based in wisconsin we are yes Oh, awesome. I love Wisconsin. It's
2: just amazing. Oh, well, next time you're up in the uh, Milwaukee area, you should swing by the studio. We'd love to have you in in the studio as well.
0: Awesome.
2: Well, Kalia, we really appreciate you taking time to join us on to Upfront today. We wish you the very best of luck Uh, with Jill Ellis and the U.S. Women's National Team. We'll be cheering you on, and we hope to have you on the program again in the future.
3: Thank you so
2: much. You're very welcome. All right, we're going to head to a break. When we come back, we will dive into the U.S. Women's National Team roster a wee bit more. We'll also talk about some of the NWSL awards and uh, do a preview of the NWSL final as well that Simon will be at. You're listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lines Pub. Back after this.
1: It's going down for it.
2: Welcome back inside the studio. to upfront, presented by Three Lines Pub from the Attention Era Media Studios in downtown Milwaukee. I'm Baxter Colburn, and this is Simon Provan. Simon Provan. As we roll along with the show, a very special thanks to Kalia Ohai for joining us there in the last segment. You, what a great interview!
0: Yeah, do you think we scared her off? I don't think so. I think hope so. Not. she was a like I said about three times already. What a great sport taking that question. I but, know. Uh, I know. <laughs> Yeah, it was no, it was wonderful hearing her insights into the U.S. Women's National Team, her excitement for that. And you can uh,
2: sense that it's genuine, too. Sometimes you get those canned answers like, yeah, it's a great opportunity. She's like, no, it's been a long time, yeah, and I am yeah. so excited to finally get this opportunity. I think she's going to make the most of it, honestly. Well, it's
0: always interesting, too, for those players who have been involved heavily at the youth levels to then... Really have to claw their way Up yeah. to the senior team
2: Exactly Well someone like her too I mean we didn't get a chance To dive into too much But she scored the the game winning goal In the U-20 World Cup final Against Germany Back in 2000 Yeah and that's the 12, Oh I'm sorry 12, go I ahead think, Back in 2012 yep. I think is when it was Yeah
0: And that's the only goal Germany conceded
2: In the entire tournament Oh my gosh And she has that She she propelled them to victory and I, I looked back at that roster A couple of days ago And I just was in awe I'm like this team Wasn't even fair I'm like how it? <laughs> like at a youth level I'm like that's ridiculous But uh, Uh, we wanted to talk about the youth level as well too briefly before we look at what Jill Ellis has done. Um, The U17 Women's World Cup is taking place. Are girls? Is it girls or women's?
0: They actually do consider it women's. Okay,
2: good. I I wasn't sure. Sure, sure. I've seen a couple of the matches. not U.S., unfortunately. I caught a... Mexico, New Zealand, and I caught another one. I forget what it was, but it's actually some fairly good soccer.
0: Yeah, I just want to bring people up to speed on where the U.S. women's yeah, team please. is at at the U17 World Cup. Uh, U.S. beaten Paraguay oh. October. I'm sorry, I got to say that right, Paraguay. Paraguay on uh, October first, six to one in that game, <laughs> uh, but then they got surprised. Baxter. The Ghana, uh, and I do like Ghana to call it the Ghana, the Ghana, the Ghana, Ghana. <laughs> the Ghana strikes again. They it's, have, they
2: have feelings. It's too. like the
0: Ohio State University. The uh, Ghana, uh, the Ghana <laughs> beats the U.S. two to one. That was on October fourth. So for the first time in a while, it seems the U.S. basically they don't have to win their last game of the group, but they need to get a result uh, uh, a win will be the only thing that guarantees them to yes. go through because they are they've got a great goal differential against. Ghana, four to Ghana's negative four, so they've mm-hmm. got a, you know eight ankle spread there. Yeah, but yep. they're tied on points, so the U.S. does take on Japan, who leads the group U- on six points. And, uh, and Ghana takes on Paraguay, so you do expect Ghana to win that game. I don't know if you expect the U.S. win this Japan game unless... Japan, Japan's good. They are good, and they're, they're basically through, so maybe they rest a few players. Doesn't matter. That game happens in just a couple of days, Baxter on Saturday, yeah. uh, taking on Japan. I, I don't know what the... I can't transform the... Uh, the transfer of the Greenwich Mean Time into oh. Central Time. So.
2: <laughs> no idea. Good luck with that one. So very exciting to see that the U.S. women's national team at the U-17 level continues to develop high-quality players and uh, maybe make a deep run here in this world yeah, Cup and, as well.
0: And also what you can say is exciting to see other countries developing yeah. their women's programs. I think
2: that's important. It's great to see, obviously, the U.S. doing well, but at the end of the day, for the sport to grow as a whole, as you mentioned, you need other countries to step up, not just Japan, not just the Germanys. You need those Ghanas, those Swedens, those other you know, countries to really rise up and be like, hey, we're good at other levels as well, too, so that way our senior team can be even better. And then the World, Women's World Cup actually becomes even more dominant than it actually already is.
0: Yeah, and, of course, the one thing I'll say to that, we see this a lot in the men's game, is... You tend to have those Countries that have Very powerful youth teams But it doesn't always Translate yeah, to the top
2: yep. Exactly I, with Especially yeah. You've mentioned The men's teams All the time I mean I think Mexico's teams Have done fantastic I saw a stat The other day About Chelsea's uh, You know In the Premier League Their youth team Has won the youth Championship Five out of the last Seven years and It's like well How is that not Translated over For the right, Chelsea Senior right. team But sometimes The youth are different Because they don't Cost the millions And millions of dollars
0: And like again On the men's side You see Nigeria Always do oh it Seems gosh. to always do Well at the Olympics yeah. and, and not not that they're a bad team at the senior national team, no. but you never look at them as, yep, they're, they've got a
2: chance yeah. to win the World Cup, but yet when you see them at the Olympics, you, you do say that. You're always like, oh, I hope this is Nigeria's year finally, and then unfortunately sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't for them. We want to switch over now to the women's national team, but before we do that, we want to remind all of you, of course, that you can check out the show on social media, go and give our Facebook page a like, and then, of course, on Twitter, you can follow both Simon and I, at Simon Provan, at Baxter Colburn. Since the show is live, you can technically tweet at us, too, during the show, we love to uh, put up some of your tweets, of course, and talk about them if you have any questions uh, by also going to at uh, 2 soccer as well. Jill Ellis has cleaned house, Simon, and she's done it rather quickly. She's got 11 new players called into this new camp. When Not the camp, no, of course, in, in, in Spain, but uh, they've got matches against Switzerland. 11 uncapped players coming in when they will be playing in Utah and Minneapolis. Well,
0: I'm personally excited, Baxter. Uh, obviously, we had our first guest on that was already called up to that with yeah. Uh, oh my goodness, I'm blanking. I want to keep calling her Keila, but there's another there's another syllable on the name Baxter. Kaylia, Kaylia. There you go. I had to Just look at my pronunciation I, sheet. I'm I, like, I've, how I've do been, you say it as well? I've been teaching Aquila for four years, where ah, I have my full time sure. job. So that's what keeps sticking in there. So Kaylia, my apologies mm, for mm, uh, mm. for forgetting that last syllable on your name. Uh, Anyways, I, I am also excited about Casey Short being called up to yeah. this team. We've, we've had her on the show. Uh, but I have said in the past that she deserves Agreed. a call-up. And, and I, you, I, I know you didn't say she didn't deserve a call-up, but you had said, well, with the defenders on this team, I just I don't know if she yeah. will get that opportunity. So, because of course, we didn't see Jill Ellis making this Big move of saying no, I'm she must listen house. to the show and
2: be like, Look, right. these guys are right. I need to cut some of the trim the fat from the from this you know monster that is the U.S. women's national team and bring in some new some some fresh meat. Yeah,
0: but so 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 thanks, Jill. We appreciate that, yeah. but yeah, to see Casey called up at that level, and then on top of that, you actually have a few college players that have been yeah. called up to the well, national you, team.
2: You look at it, uh, Jane Campbell's one of them, she's a senior at Stanford, uh, Daniel Colaprico, she is a Red Stars midfielder, Lynn Williams. We all know how good she is. Oh, hi, of course, Shay Groom from FC. Kansas City, Andy Sullivan, also at Stanford. Stanford, the new UNC question mark? Uh, Ashley Hatch, a BYU striker. Casey Short, Aaron Gilliland, Merritt Mathis, player from Alabama, and uh, Abby Del Camper as well. She, we know she plays uh, for the Western New York Flash.
0: And again, a great call up with Lynn Williams. We had Paul Riley on the show. Yeah, of course, she plays with the Western New York Flash and. And he had said he would hope she would at some point get a call up, and he didn't know if she ever would. He doesn't uh, give a hoot what people <laughs> say about it. That's right. Uh, and, again, well-deserved. I, I know we'll get into this a little bit later, but we had both we had both wondered, you know, should she get the vote for MVP for the NWSL? We both questioned that because, as you had said, Baxter, that maybe some of those stats were padded with playing the Boston Breakers four times. Yeah. But then <laughs> she comes out against the best team in the NWSL, the Portland Thorns, and destroys them.
2: Yeah, no, I completely agree agree with you and apparently at least according to the NWSL website uh, Lynn Williams was just named the NWSL MVP as well so there you go if we wanted to question her even more you can now not question her no, because no, she well is well deserved she reigns supreme as the best player in NWSL
0: and let's be clear it's not her skill that we were ever questioned we, no, we also no, no, felt no. that she was well deserving of a women's national team call yes. up it was just the the number of goals that were scored but, and against, but she and came out they were scored
2: against right, yes.
0: right and she came out and said you know what two up front i'm gonna show you you're gonna <laughs> okay. have to get her uh, on
2: the program to defend herself there you go now, since uh, there's been so many good things that have taken place now right i, I need to i need to be honest and i know you and i've talked about this off air about the some of the awards that have been handed already for the nwsl let's I, do I, it I, we need to talk a little bit about some of the gals that have received whether we agree whether we don't agree so lynn williams i don't think either of us disagree with her winning the MVP, do you? Not at all. And I know the big thing for you too is you really want the MVP can- candidates to be playoff team yes. can- candidates yeah. as well. Yeah. And four out of the five were. Ohio was the only one not. Um, Allie Long, I know you would kind of argue to get for Allie Long for most of the season as a whole. But you know, Lynn Williams still winning though. Is it? Do you think it was her final performance there against Portland that ended up? Getting that But I mean No actually I can tell you no
0: Because as we both know If you remember Baxter The votes went in Before the playoffs Mm -hmm. Started Oh that's
2: right That's right I forgot about that
0: And actually I agree with that In many ways That the MVP Should be based on The regular season Mm
2: -hmm. I'd agree yeah, I think it's a, a well-deserved award for her. I'm curious to see what she does now at the women's national team. I think Jill Ellis is sitting there going, all right, she won the NWSL Golden Boot. She won MVP. Let's give her a call-up. We'll see what she's capable of doing. She's done well against a quality opponent in Portland, who Jill obviously knows most of those gals because they play for Jill, or they used to. And uh, I think that was a, I think it's a smart play. I'm really excited for Lynn, and I, I hope that uh, she does really well, in all honesty. Uh, Mark Parsons got the uh, NWSL Coach of the Year. Agree? Disagree?
0: Now, you know that I'm a Portland Thorns fan, first and foremost. Uh, But no, actually, I don't agree with this, Baxter. Mm. Uh, The reason is, did did he do great work? Yes, absolutely. But when you look at the cast of characters that he had, uh, it's it's, it's no wonder that, that they're at the top of the table, yes. and, or were, obviously. Well, they still are at the top of the regular season table, but I thought Paul Riley should get this. Yeah, And again, 100%. there's no bias here because we've had both of them on the show. And the only reason I say that is because the expectations for Western New York Flash there was none. were so incredibly low. Uh, but they've been in that number four, number three spot all season long. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got players that, hey, they're all good, but they're not the the uh, the name players that, mm-hmm. that the Thorns may have. Uh, and, and yes, Portland did suffer... A little bit during the international break for the Olympics, but most of the teams had a lot, of, uh, a lot of that time off. There was that two-week break there. So for me, if you take a team of, uh, for the most part, unknowns who need to come together, expectations are incredibly low, and then you lead them into the playoffs... That's coach of the year for yeah, me. Yeah,
2: I completely agree. Let's be honest, this is nothing against you or me. Like you and I could have could have coached Portland this year and they would have still done just as well, I feel like. It's not rocket science when you have some of the best players in the world all on the field.
0: Yeah, the one thing I will say is what you do have to do then, and I don't mean egos in a bad way here, but you you do have to manage all that those egos. That's what I was thinking as
2: well too. So like if you can manage the egos, you have an opportunity to really have something good happen. Yeah,
0: so you got to give Parsons a ton of credit there.
2: I agree. Um goalkeeper of the year is Orlando Pride's Ashlyn harris i think that is a terrible idea terrible you say i think it's terrible tell me why baxter i think the fact that ashlyn harris I, I think i was thinking about this this morning i think for players to be also considered for these major awards you should have to be with your team for at least half the season and or actually play i think you should have a certain amount of games you have to play and i believe she was there for a, a decent amount of that but she was a part of the women's national team she went to rio she was gone for that break as well Orlando was nowhere even near close to making the playoffs this year. And I know some people say, well, Orlando had a bad defense. Well, at the end of the day, though, as we know, Simon, from games we've called, sometimes the goalkeeper's responsible also for the goals that they allow in. You look at the other ones... I, I just don't think that she was the the right one that should have made it. I, I think there was there was better goalkeepers around. I think Alyssa Nayer from Chicago might have been a good one. I know she was gone as well too. But you know, you look at what even Western New York Flash had or you look at the Washington Spirit and players they had also.
0: My vote I will tell you who my, my personal vote was yes. and that was for Michelle Beatos out of Portland. Yeah. Because she played amazing. Yeah, she had a strong defensive unit that she worked with, but when she was called on to make saves, she was making saves that she should have not been able to make. Agreed. Played in fifteen games, uh, so she was there most of the season. Missed five games, and her play was amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was actually dumbfounded how she personally did not get MVP for uh, for goalkeeping goalkeeper, for the goalkeeper year, rather of the year.
2: Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I, I just. I've never been wowed by Ashlyn Harris, especially at the club level. A national team, we'll have to see a little bit more now that she'll have some more opportunities. But I was not thrilled with how she played. I know she won a couple of you know saves of the year, or saves of the week and things like that, which is of course a good accolade. But I I want to see more from her before you give a, a best goalkeeper of the year because that that in my mind says that okay she's the best goalkeeper that this league has to offer. And I could argue and you could argue that there's at least two or three others better yeah, than her. Yeah. Yeah, so. league league specifically talking about the league.
0: Yes. And and the big thing is is again, if you're on the national team, great, but if you're going to be gone for such a length of time that you're not really helping your team, then then the US national team picture can't figure into votes
2: for goalkeeper of the year, votes mm-hmm. for MVP. You got to you gotta, you know, we're talking about the league here. Yeah, I completely agree with you on this one. Uh Sky Blue rookie Raquel Rodriguez voted the NWSL rookie of the year. Uh, i think fairly deserving i mean rachel daly was also up there also but nobody really took the league by the horns aside from emily sonnet for the portland thorns again portland obviously just turning out players left and right at all major positions which is fantastic but you talk about a team that probably wasn't didn't have any real expectations this year that almost made the playoffs sky blue fc and christy holly with what he did with those gals i think is very remarkable
0: yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not going to argue with that much. The only reason we brought Emily Sonnet is here she is playing 16 games as a rookie, as a defender with yeah. this Portland Thorns team and doing so well. And of course, doesn't get figured in, but she scores her first goal of the season in a playoff game, her first career NWSL yep. goal uh, which at that time looked to be like a, uh, a, a very important goal for mm. Portland but obviously it didn't work out for them as Western New York Flash still beat them 4-3 to they prevail
2: uh, quickly also here Lauren Barnes for the Seattle Reign voted defender of the year the first time in league history that it was not Becky Sauerbrunn yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know if this was Barnes performance or if it was the league going we can't do it again <laughs> like Sauerbrunn was on the ballot again she was And I, 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 I don't think I voted for her I think I voted for Laura I don't remember who, who we voted for do you do you remember defensively i don't have the full list in front of me of who our actual picks were but looking at this i mean barnes she's 27 She she played in all 20 games which is one of the things you and i want to see she's, right uh she played all but 15 minutes this entire seattle rain season that's remarkable i feel like and she certainly helped just that the rain really kind of capture almost another playoff spot again but for the seattle Reign, who had so many negative things swirling around the club this season with hope solo and megan Rapino and everything else going on she was definitely a bright spot all season long absolutely uh i i don't know i haven't seen the midfielder of the year was it Allie long i can't seem to find that do they do a midfielder of the year i sure thought they did
0: i Why wouldn't i, I didn't know. think they did, did i they think not? they
2: do an offensive player and a defensive player
0: because huh. yeah, I, I don't see it anywhere i don't know you got one I um
2: <laughs> <laughs> I put you on the spot yeah, here. You, you don't
0: have to answer that. It we depends have to go on through I, would, a lot. I would
2: say it would have to depend on where Crystal Dunn was playing, I guess, because we know Crystal That's Dunn true. is capable That's of true. playing that outside attacking midfielder, but um, yeah, I don't necessarily know if I have one off the top of my head. Tobin Heath, maybe? No. Nah. Yeah. She set the league uh, l- uh, league record for assists on the year though. Oh,
0: she did. You're you're right about that. 11, yeah, I believe yeah. is what
2: she finished up the year with. I'm just trying to look really fast here for like assist than anything last year. Nadia Nadim, she did well. I think she's a forward as well. Van- uh, Vanessa Bernardo for Chicago, she was another quality player.
0: Well, I think this is the reason they don't give out a midfielder player of the year because you have so many players that do keep switching throughout the year. That is playing true. Playing up front, playing in the middle, you know, so.
2: Exactly. Alright, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, we'll dive into our MLS predictions, the few that there are this week, and we'll talk about the MLS playoffs and all kinds of other stuff. You're listening to 2UpFront, presented by 3 Lines Playoffs?! Bob. Welcome back inside the studio. Two Upfront presented by Three Lines Pub here from the Attention Era Media Studios. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. Moving into our MLS section. Before we do that, of course, we want to remind all of you, you can catch the show right here Tuesday, Thursdays, 12 to 1 p.m. Central Time and on demand by going to our website as well, 2upfrontsoccer.com. Uh, iTunes, the Sports Podcasting Network, and a whole host of other places as well, Simon.
0: Yeah, and make sure you check out our uh, awesome sponsors, Three Lions Pub and Red Line Pub. they got some cool things going on. Of course, not any Premier League games this week because it's international break, but Ooh. but you can check out the England game, if you so desire, this Saturday. It kicks off at 11 a.m. at either pub. Uh, also, though, this is actually the big one, Baxter. Sunday night, Packers versus the Woo! Giants of New York Go football. Packers! Uh, Three Lions Pub is raffling off a pair of tickets to an upcoming Packers-Bears game.
2: I would definitely agree with that. Wow, that's a heck of a deal.
0: So make sure that the raffle is happening at Three Lions Pub. So if you want to be part of that, make sure you check out the Packers game at the Three Lions Pub in Shorewood. Check out the England game at either establishment. Great atmosphere, great food, great beer. They they bring across the pond right across the street.
2: All right, diving into our MLS section here couple of different things. I mean, I think the biggest thing that needs to be talked about is there's not a lot of MLS action taking place. And the one MLS game that is happening this calendar week, Simon, you'll be at Houston, Colorado on sad Friday night, Saturday night. Saturday night? Saturday night. I was like, I can't remember when it is. Saturday night, Houston, Colorado, the chase for the Shield, the chase for the playoffs is there. Uh, well, let's look at the Western Conference first, I guess, Simon. I mean, you look at the teams, FC Dallas, Colorado, the LA Galaxy have already clinched, so there's three remaining playoff spots. Portland, you know they're on the outside looking in for the moment. Two points outside of Sporting Kansas City and the Seattle Sounders, three points behind. Does Portland still have a chance? They've got two games left. Any chance at all? Seattle has a game in hand.
0: Well, Seattle's not their concern anymore. Seattle's in the playoffs. They're gonna make it, no doubt about it. Uh, the, The question comes down to Sporting Kansas City. By the way, MLS Soccer has renamed the results map to the Form Guide. By the, the way, form just, guide? just wanted to let you know that. Why? Uh, just taking a look here at who has what left. So Sporting Kansas City, their fi- their final two games, they are at at Real Salt Lake, and then they take on San Jose at home. Portland, on the other hand, takes on Sporting Kansas City. Wait, is that right? No, they don't. Wait.
2: They oh, didn't. that was RSL. That's I was South on. South. Sorry. Yeah. But they
0: take on Colorado at home, and then they have Vancouver at Vancouver's home. I think Sporting <laughs> Kansas City has the better schedule, to be honest with you. Real Salt Lake. They're already they're, in the playoffs. They're, they're in the playoffs, and they're they are pretty tough at home. Uh, San Jose has not been doing well at all. Uh, so i I do see Sporting Kansas City winning that game against San Jose, and quite frankly, Baxter, I don't see Portland beating Colorado, hmm. and I don't see them beating Vancouver. They can maybe draw with Colorado at home, Um, I'm actually hoping at this point when they were in the similar position a couple of seasons ago where they they were looking at possibly being able to move on from their CONCACAF Champions League group versus trying to make the playoffs with other results having to happen. They went for the playoffs, and they failed. Funny enough, that last game was also against Vancouver, if I remember correctly, and they finished this year against Vancouver. So I would say Caleb Porter, look at history – focus on Champions League. at this try, point. Try to end positive.
2: Yeah, exactly. With if, something you, if you positive. can take something positive, yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, Portland at this point, yeah, Sporting Kansas City is going to be their own worst enemy. I think that, but I could see Sporting Kansas City self-destructing out, though, and not, not being able to get in because they've been all over the place this year, and they've won 12 games, but they're terrible on the road, which Portland also is. Portland has yet to win a game on the road this year, so it's kind of which team do you trust more on a home game and an away game, but I don't really trust either team at this point. I mean, I I don't really see San I, I don't I don't really see San Jose winning out the last 3 games and piggybacking over Sporting and Portland. That would be certainly quite the thing if it did happen.
0: Well, and here's the thing too. Sporting Kansas City, they draw their final two games. Portland loses one. That's over. Yeah, exactly. If I did the math right. I yes, you did. Yeah. Does yeah. yeah. yep. that be 45-44? Yeah.
2: I don't think it's a failure if you're a Portland fan. I think, I think you're a little disappointed because yeah, yeah. you won the cup last year. Interestingly
0: enough, this would be the first year ever, Baxter, should Columbus not make the playoffs, nor Portland. This would be the first year ever that both MLS Cup finalists didn't make the playoffs the following season. Columbus
2: isn't going to make the playoffs.
0: No, they're not. Let's they're be not. honest and, about that. They've
2: got too much in front of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, at least Portland has somewhat of a chance. But they again, do. with the number of injuries they've dealt with, to answer your question, disappointed, yes. But uh, shocked or anything, no. It's... Not like not like last or two years ago, where maybe I was calling for Caleb Porter's head. Yeah, I, I, say, I, I haven't would really
2: say gotten any fire Caleb Porter chance. Too yeah. many. The, no, I think maybe twice no. this year.
0: No, and it's it's you know, if anything, it's Gavin Wilkinson that you got to be up t- upset with the GM mm-hmm. letting players go that he shouldn't have. Now, of course, the tough thing about MLS is that salary budget that you got to deal with. And and Jorge Villafania was a victim of that. But there is also rumors though that Villafania really wanted out. He felt he yeah. topped his time in MLS and wanted to go uh, play in the Mexican league. Which Obviously, he's doing. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And he's doing fairly well also. Uh, looking over at the Eastern Conference, something that plays a little bit more into myself in terms of personal, that's why I have my my New England Revolution. No, I was going to mention, out, is that a new one? It is. My wife uh, purchased it for me, so I'm very, very thankful thank for that. A long sleeve because we're going to the Revolution Chicago Fire game in two weeks, so we're nice. super thrilled about that. The uh, Revolution at that point could still be fighting for a playoff spot. I really, really hope so. I think that would be a. A fantastic way to to kind of cap it off altogether but the red bulls nyc fc and tfc of all claimed playoff spots montreal dc and philly currently sit in the playoffs the revolution right on the outside they're three points behind the philadelphia union who frankly haven't done a whole heck of a lot recently philly their last two games of the year they do play orlando then they play the red bulls so new england has an opportunity they have to beat chicago And they have to beat Montreal if they want to get in.
0: Schedule's definitely in favor of New England, Baxter. Uh, Philadelphia, I think they they should be able to win that game against Orlando, especially because it's going to be at home. But I'm not too sure about the Red Bulls. Philadelphia does like to give the Red Bulls a run for their money, but I, I don't see them beating the Red Bulls. The only way they might is if, by chance, the Red Bulls clinch the supporter shield before that last game, which mm-hmm. I, honestly I haven't done the math. I don't even know if that's possible, um, or perhaps they clinch the highest seed that they know they can get for the playoffs by that Philadelphia game. They rest some players. Philadelphia takes advantage of that. Now Philly's in the playoffs. That's yeah, it could it's, happen.
2: It's a uh, New England would have needed to not lose at least one of their last couple of games i know they just beat sporting kansas city which obviously helps but that lo- that 2-0 loss to columbus i think might ultimately be that thorn on their side that prevented them because they are three points behind the philadelphia union right now even if new england wins out those six points and philly wins out and or only gets four points they philly still is in and the revs hang on the outside. I don't know who owns the tiebreaker between Philly and the Revs if they end up tying on points, though.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure either, though I do see New I England do see New England beating Chicago on the 16th backstair because, not just because it's Chicago, but the fire play just three days before that against Columbus, and that, that is a big rivalry game, the, oh, the yeah. crew fire They'll game. They'll be tired out
2: by that point.
0: So I do see New England, even though they got to travel to Chicago, I do see them winning that game, and that, mm-hmm. that could give them the hope they need.
2: That is true. If it does come down to goal difference, then the Revs need to literally score or you know, gratuitous amounts of goal. They've got a negative twelve goal difference.
0: Well, right Kellen Rowe just uh, re-upped on his contract, so maybe that'll be his motivation to I put in so. fifteen goals in one game. I
2: really hope so. I think that it's it's obviously a crucial playoff game against Chicago, and I think that'll really be a, a make or break spot for the Revs on their season. Uh, when you look at Montreal and DC United, or I mean, I, we're at this point. Chicago's done. Orlando's done. Columbus is done. Even though they've got three games left instead of just two, like most of the other MLS teams. I mean, do we just start talking about the six teams that are currently listed in the playoffs as the six playoff teams, and do we just start figuring out just who's going to be seated where? Uh,
0: I think you can be very safe with that in both conferences, yeah. to be honest with you. If anything, the East has a little bit more in play than the West. I just I don't see Portland being able to recover from from their woes and, and being able to mount a playoff run, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. So, uh, yeah, and, and then, you know, you look at D.C., they've got New York City FC, and Orlando left on their schedule That's still Those are two winnable games for them Very winnable games
2: I agree Alright let's go into our MLS predictions Brought to you by the Red Lions Pub All right, uh, not a lot of MLS action until our next prediction show. We make our predictions on Thursdays, so I do have all of our predictions, all six of them, scheduled out until next Wednesday, Simon. So Excellent. There is only two MLS games that will take place, but there are two USA games and two Canada games, and the NWSL final. So I figured, even though I know we both have already made a prediction about the NWSL final, um, unless you plan to change your prediction. I don't know, do you?
0: I said Washington, yeah. No, you
2: said we both said uh Western New York. Or Western Flash. New
0: York Flash. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean you I mean you said it last year. Well,
0: you know, it's fun when we when we Yeah, I mean we can we can teams. differ.
2: Yeah. No that that's fine with me if we want to differ. I yeah, I had said Western and you had said uh we both had said Western. You know, I, I am gonna
0: change it to Washington Spirit. That's um, fine. um Makes Crystal, it more interesting. Crystal Dunn back in the back in the fold. Of course Lynn Williams is gonna have that boost as well. Uh, you know what? No, I'm staying with Western New York. Oh, yeah? Okay. <laughs> okay. I just wanted you to have to fix that on the computer. Yeah, thanks.
2: Um, all right, so USA-Cuba will be the first game we predict. Uh, we heard from Mark Litton on Tuesday. He thinks this USA team should have no problem, really, over the next two games against Cuba and New Zealand. I think they're both wins for the U.S. I don't necessarily know if we want to get all in-depth about, well, the final score would be this. but
0: Yeah, I, I don't think we need to, but it's definitely going to be a U.S. win. One player that's not playing for either of these teams but will definitely have his eyes glued to the tv screen is of course the best cuban in mls osvaldo alonso he's very excited about this game as well as he should be uh many people thought or hoped for a long time that he could play with the u.s but cuba yeah. since he had played a game with cuba or cuba i guess i should be cuba, saying cuba. Uh, cuba just basically said no we're not gonna we're not gonna let let that happen because the nation that you first played with also has to be okay with yeah. the switch. Mm-hmm. So of course Cuba won't let that happen. So it, he, he gets to at least watch this game and, and to see it take place in Havana, historic game, yeah, first time since the '30s, I think, or something, something around like there. That, yeah. Um, so it'll.
2: I feel like it's been sooner, more recent than that, but I guess not.
0: No, 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 because of the embargo.
2: Oh, you know, that's the New right. The New York Cosmos
0: went down there last that's year right. to play. That's Maybe right. that's what you're thinking about.
2: Hmm. How interesting! All right, uh, Houston, Colorado. You'll be at this game on Saturday. What do you think about that matchup?
0: I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Tim Howard in the
2: Colorado Rapids. That's who I'm going to also go with as well. I have a hard time believing, honestly, that uh, there's going to be much of anything different uh, in that department. Colorado, clearly the better team. Houston. They don't really even. They really can't even embrace playing the spoiler at this point because Colorado's already in the playoffs, so they have exactly. much to really go off of.
0: The one thing they can play spoiler, too, is that Supporter Shield run that Colorado true. is hoping to finish the season on.
2: That is true. USA, New Zealand, uh, another game that I think the U.S. should have no problem with and just be able to wrap it up nice and easily. USA gets my vote.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, I think this game will give them a little bit more problems than the Cuba game will. Agreed. But, uh, but yeah, I do see the U.S. winning this.
2: Uh, Seattle-Houston. This is early next week.
0: Seattle. Yeah, same here. We skipped the Canada games, though. unless uh, you them, those. yeah. Okay.
2: canada Mauritania, Maur- Mauritania. Since
0: I, I'm going to be honest, I'm pretty good with geography, but I have no idea where this country is, so I'm going to go with Canada. Yeah, same here. And then canada
2: Morocco.
0: I think this could be a very ugly game for Canada, Baxter. Depends if Morocco treats it as a, uh, you know, full national team roster or if they're going to bring in some of their younger players but I do see Morocco winning this one. Really? Yeah, Why? I sure do. Morocco's a good country. They're decent. Since when? Uh, well, back in the, let's see, what, what World Cup was it? 2002, they had a great player named Haji who was, who was amazing that World Cup. Hmm. So granted, yeah, that was 14 years ago, but yeah. has, Canada, has Canada really improved that much? No, Kyle Aaron. Woo I don't know. He's
2: decent. So, yeah, I'm going with Morocco. How about you? Uh, Canada. I I think Canada's still the better team, honestly. Hopefully they actually uh, live up to that hype as well. All right, we're going to go to our final break. When we come back, we'll close up the show. You are listening to Two Up Front, presented by Three Lions Pub. Welcome back to Two Upfront, presented by Three Lines Pub from the Attention Era Media Studios. I am Baxter Colburn, and
0: this is Simon Provan. All right,
2: Simon Provan, you have something interesting to share with, to make me look foolish.
0: No, not to look you, not to make you look foolish at all. I do enough of that on my own. Uh, it makes me look a little foolish, Baxter. Oh. Which I do a lot of that on my own oh, too. Well, fair enough. Touche. Uh, in 2012, the Moroccan national team uh, were victorious in the 2012 Arab Nations Cup, defeating Libya in the final. Uh, However, in February 2015, the African Football Federation Executive Committee decided to suspend the Moroccan national football team from the next two editions of the Africa Cup of Nations. However, and it doesn't explain why in here... This is just a quick little history thing on here. However, the uh, Court of Arbitration for Sport overturned those. But I said 2002. This is the big thing. Morocco has not been involved in the World Cup since 98. So 98 was the year of the Haji.
2: Ah, the Haji.
0: Uh, But they did qualify for the the 2017 African Nations Cup. So I'm still going with that they're going to be a better team than Canada. Hmm.
2: Interesting. Um, one thing I wanted to look at really fast is the top MLS scores and assist leaders right now. Just to check in, we haven't done this in a long time. So, Bradley Wright Phillips and David Villa are tied with twenty-one goals each. It's just kind of incredible to think about. Uh, Jovinko's got 16 goals Dom Dwyer's 16 as well I don't know how Dwyer found, wow. found 16 goals there And Ignacio Piatti Has 15 Did he goals. like
0: Pick him up on the field Somewhere and be like Hey look what
2: yeah, I found so. A goal Like look at all these goals Bunches and bunches of goals I guess part
0: of it is As Sporting Kansas City Has been just so up and down I honestly haven't Paid as much attention To he them as I usually would
2: scoring work. Yeah it's just not I don't know I was a little surprised By that in total honesty
0: and If I remember right though he, he tends to score Braces in games So yep. you know he's, he's scoring them in pockets And not consistently yep. Throughout the year
2: Yep exactly Sasha Collection has 17 assists. Amazing. Sebastian Giovinco has 13. Mauro Diaz, 12. Giovanni Dos Santos, 12. And Benny Philhopper also has 12. So there's that man that's maybe feeding the Dom Dwyer. Machine. There you go. There you go. Uh, I'm I'm interested to get your thoughts about this. Jay Gleason has the most saves in MLS. 112 saves, five shutouts, and he's faced 149 shots. Well,
0: I was gonna say, with the amount of shots his defense is allowing, he should be the saves leader.
2: Yeah, and he hasn't even played the full season either. Too. We were wondering. We we're like, well, we'll see. When he first came in, we we're like, well, oh, we'll see with Quaresse and everything. Quaresse got transferred, and we're like, well, let's see what he can do. And yeah,
0: first he got injured, and then and then got transferred. Quaresse, but yes. Gleason stepped up big time and he, he took advantage of having that opportunity there in front of.
2: Him. i always feel like that's kind of like a a backhanded compliment to be the saves leader usually that (laughs) usually means your team's not that good it's like oh you made all these saves like brian rowe is the only keeper in these top five that actually has a good team otherwise it's steve clark from columbus joe bendick from orlando and david ousted from vancouver
0: well you you look at the saves and what you have to look with it is the goals against average because that's really that's really more telling of of the goalkeeper, as well as the defense, of course, than just the saves. And I don't uh, don't have that info in front of me, but I'm definitely going to look that up, Baxter, to see just what Jake Gleason's goals against average
2: is. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on that one. Um, it's always kind of cool to just look at all the numbers um, with everything in terms of like teams as a whole. Uh, Real Salt Lake leads MLS with nine penalty kicks they've had to take this season. Uh, they've converted on six of those.
0: I think I think most of them were against the Portland Timbers as well. Probably. certainly seems like it. Fun
2: fact. Colorado Rapids, only two penalty kicks total. Red Bulls, only two. We've heard Jesse Marsh say that as well, too. He's uh, furious of how few calls they get inside the box. Houston Dynamo, though, one. One penalty kick awarded, one penalty kick converted this season. So Is that right? They must be doing something right. Kind of fun. I don't know. I always enjoy just digging through all the numbers and everything to kind of see uh what it all entails. But uh, either way, yeah, was a I, good time. I am looking at the goals
0: against average here, Baxter. I have to say, Jake Gleason's not too bad. Not great, but not too bad. 1.44. That's uh, not horrible. It looks like Clint Irwin was a leader. I don't know if you can really count him because his season's been a bit short. But uh, definitely David Bingham is up there with a 1.13. I think he would be the official goals, goals against, against average leader. So, Gleason in the middle of the pack there. So, not not too bad.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Any fun plans for the weekend at all, Simon?
0: Yeah, I'm going to the NWSL championship oh, game on Sunday. Oh, that little thing. And I'm actually going to that Houston Dynamo Colorado Rapids game as That's well. Exciting. So, yeah, I'll be hanging out tossing out Two up-front swag, hopefully getting some interviews with some players, maybe some coaches, GMs if I can. What the heck, maybe I can grab the commissioners as well, Jeff Plush and as uh, well. Don Garber.
2: Like, what's up, guys? I don't. Know. Is Don going to be there? I doubt Don will be there.
0: Oh, right, right. Well, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. The Don I mean, does what
2: the Don wants.
0: You U.S. Soccer backs the NWSL, so maybe Don shows up at two events like that. That would be nice.
2: Nice little...
0: Actually, I will say on a serious note, I mean, he has come out and publicly said he wants MLS teams to have women's teams, mm-hmm. so it would be very appropriate for him to be there
2: agreed no i completely agree well speaking of which though we did have a great interview with the houston dash forward kaylia Ojai as well she joined us in our second segment if you missed any of the show you can get the show on demand by visiting our website to upfrontsoccer.com And, of course, on the Sports Podcasting Network, Spreaker, iTunes, and iHeartRadio as well.
0: You can check us out on Facebook, 2UpFront. Please like our page while you're visiting there. We have uh, some stories that we post, some opinions once in a while. We'd love for you to interact with us. Also, check us out on Twitter, at 2UpFrontSoccer. Of course, I am at Simon Provan, and he is at Baxter Colburn.
2: All right, have fun at the NWSL Championship, Simon. We will talk to you and everybody else on Tuesday at 12 p.m. Central Time. For all of us here at 2UpFront, our manager is the one above. We'll see you next time.